Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. With less than a week to go until Christmas, there's only one thing on anyone's mind, and that is Christmas presents. Kids are climbing the walls with excitement about what they're going to get, and the rest of us are waking up in a cold sweat, wondering what on earth we're going to give. (laughs) And a certain uh, St. Nicholas has got a lot to answer for. This 4th century bishop in what is today Turkey, apparently he used his entire inheritance to give to those in need, especially to children, and his name became modernised to Santa Claus, and the rest is history. He died on December the 6th, and in some European countries that is still the main day for giving gifts. But this tradition of giving gifts at Christmas time actually predates Nicholas by several hundred years. At the beginning of the first century, wise men came from the east to see the Christ child, and they came bearing gifts, as we heard in the Bible passage I just read. Unusual gifts. Put yourself in their situation. You're off to visit a family to celebrate with them the birth of their child. What kind of gifts would you take? A baby beanie? A blanket? A cuddly toy? A unicorn onesie? What do the wise men give the child? Gold, frankincense and myrrh. The Huffington Post ran an article about uh, weird Christmas gifts that people have actually been given. A piece of string. A toilet brush with sequins glued onto it. A plastic bag containing $3.86. 
Mind you, I asked my wife the other day what she wants for Christmas this year, and she said, a residential training week for the dog. (laughs) If you'd locked me in a room for a thousand years with a blank sheet of paper, I'd never have come up with that one. (laughs) The gifts of the wise men may strike us as equally odd presents for a baby or a toddler. Jesus was anything up to two years old by this stage. But in the context of the time, in the context of the Bible, they're gifts with profound significance. They tell us what is special about this child and why Christmas is such a big deal. The first gift, gold, tells us that Jesus is the king. So gold is what you find in a palace and it's associated with power and with royal rule. So in the book uh, Periodic Tales about the various elements, the chapter on gold says this. It says gold is the key to power. The pharaohs reigned for 3,000 years relying on their gold. And then you've got all those myths, haven't you, about a gold ring which gives the wearer ultimate power in Wagner's Ring Cycle or the Lord of the Rings. And at Buckingham Palace a few years ago, they had an exhibition called Gold, and it showcased 50 gold items from the Royal Collection, and it explored ways that gold, quote, has been used to reflect kingship. Well, in the Bible, gold has the same associations. When the Queen of Sheba came to visit King Solomon, she came, it says, with very much gold and precious stones. The Old Testament prophets look forward to the day when God would send the ultimate king called the Christ or the Messiah. And that is who these wise men had come looking for. So you look in the passage there in verse 2, you'll see that when they arrive in Jerusalem, they ask, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And Herod then asked the religious leaders in verse 4 where the Christ was to be born. And they quote an Old Testament passage which says in verse 6, that from Bethlehem shall come a ruler. So as the one to be born uh, was to be king, gold was a fitting gift for this child. But this was not just any old king. So as the Christ, Jesus would be king not just of the Jews, but of the world, and not just for a time, but forever. When you get to the end of Matthew's Gospel account, you find Jesus saying this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And throughout the gospel accounts, he gives proof of that authority as the king that God has appointed to rule the world. Healing the sick, calming a storm, raising the dead. In these deeds of power, he also gives us glimpses of what life will be like in his kingdom when he returns. The good life. Now, isn't that what our world needs? Isn't that what we long for? A ruler with absolute power and absolute goodness to sort things out and give us the perfect world that we want. But not everyone welcomed the news. Verse 1 says that Jesus was born in the days of Herod the king. Herod had been king of Judea since 40 BC. The birth of another king was not what he wanted to hear. He saw him as a challenge to his authority and power. And so in verse 8 we read that he tried to get the wise men to lead him to the child, claiming he wanted to worship him too. But verse 13 reveals he actually wanted to destroy him. And when the wise men didn't play ball, he resorted to genocide. He wiped out all the boys in Bethlehem, aged two or under, in his attempt to take out this rival king, not knowing the family had already made their escape. Herod's reaction is extreme. But the Bible says there's something of Herod in all of us, because we want to be king. 
We want to run our lives as we see fit. And Jesus is a king. Jesus is a threat to that kind of self-rule. So on the ship of my life, I want to be captain. And Jesus can maybe come on board to help out and give some advice, but he can't take the wheel. But if Jesus really is the king God has appointed, he does know best. And rejecting his rule just puts us on a collision course with someone who is much, much bigger. If the first gift is about the rule of God, the second gift, frankincense, is about relationship with God. So gold was found in a palace, frankincense was found in the temple. God had given his people a special building in Jerusalem where he met with them, and he'd given them special priests to be mediators between them and God. And in this temple, incense, which was made from frankincense, was burned every day, and the place would have been filled with its fragrance. So why is that a fitting gift for Jesus? Well, because Jesus is now how we meet with God. The temple, the priests were only a temporary setup. They were models picturing what the Christ would do when he came. Jesus is the temple, as he himself said. And so to know God, we go to him, not to some special building. And Jesus is the priest. And so to know God, we go to him, not to a human priest. So frankincense was a fitting gift. No special building anymore. Christians can meet in boats. No special priests anymore. Just church leaders who teach the Bible. It's all about Jesus now. We come to know God through him. We relate to God through him. So Jesus is the connecting place between heaven and earth. Now that's great news. It means that to know God you don't have to travel to some special place or you don't have to go through some special person anymore. Instead, anyone, anywhere can come to God through Jesus. But not everyone welcomed the news. The religious leaders of the day were not impressed. A basketball coach once said to a player who wasn't pulling his weight, he said, son, what is it with you? Ignorance or apathy? And the player replied, I don't know, and I don't care. (laughs) The religious leaders did know, but they still didn't care. They knew that the Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. So in verse 5, they've got this Old Testament quotation at their fingertips when Herod asks them. And so when the wise men pitch up with this news that the Christ had been born, and that they've come to worship him, you'd expect these leaders to drop everything. But they drop nothing. Isn't that strange? The Christ had been born, the fulfilment of centuries of prophecy and expectation, the event that would divide history into BC and AD. But when they heard the news, they just stayed in to watch TV and play another game of Fortnite. Bethlehem, five miles down the road, and they couldn't be bothered. The truth is, of course, they saw no need for Jesus. They had their own nice little religious system in place by this stage, which had in it no room for Jesus. They thought they were good enough as they were. They were blind to the state of their own hearts. And their apathy would soon turn to hostility. So these religious leaders were the very people who ended up having Jesus put to death. Well, the spirit of those leaders lives on. Just like them, many people today, many religious people today, have no time for Jesus. Don't see the need. Fine as I am, thank you very much. If there is a God, 
I'm sure he'll accept me just as I am. Too busy to take the bus to Bethlehem. Couldn't be bothered. Don't see the need. But if we didn't need him, God wouldn't have sent him. The third gift, myrrh, is perhaps the strangest of the three. If gold takes us to the palace and frankincense to the temple, myrrh takes us to the cemetery, to the graveyard. At that time, myrrh was used in embalming dead bodies. So wrapping the corpse in cloths and spices for burial. It's an unusual gift. It must have sent a shiver down the spine of the watching parents. My colleague Matt is on paternity leave at the moment. Imagine me pitching up with a gift for their newborn. They open this large box and inside they find a coffin or a headstone with the child's name on. Awkward. (laughs) But for Jesus, entirely fitting. Because dying was what he had come to do. That was his mission, to die. He'd come on a rescue mission and his death on a cross was how he would rescue people. The Old Testament scriptures foretold that the Christ, when he came, would die in our place as a sacrifice, taking the punishment we deserve so that we can be forgiven and know God. After Jesus was executed on a cross, a man called Nicodemus came to embalm the body with a mixture of myrrh and aloes weighing 34 kilograms. Was Jesus' mother there? Well, we don't know, but if so, the smell of the myrrh would have taken her back surely to that visit of the wise men some 30-plus years before, and to that gift. The gifts the wise men gave were costly. There's no tat, but much more so was God's gift to us. Jesus himself, the Son of God, born to die to rescue us. (coughs) Why would God bother? Well, the myrrh may be a clue because myrrh speaks not just of death, but also of love. Myrrh, as well as its application and embalming, it was also a much-valued perfume. It was the Chanel number no. five of the ancient world. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, the book it features in most is a love poem. And so the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Well, what will you get for Christmas this year? We'll soon find out, but it's unlikely to be gold, frankincense and myrrh. But these three gifts remind us why Jesus is such a special gift from God to us. Gold, because Jesus brings the rule of God. Frankincense, because Jesus brings us relationship with God. And myrrh, because Jesus brings us rescue by God. How will we respond? The hostility of Herod, not wanting Jesus to rule over us. The apathy of the religious leaders not thinking we need Jesus to rescue us. Or the response of the wise men. Verse 11 says, they fell down and worshipped him. And if we are wise, we will do the same.